So tonight, Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse number 1, it says, I, therefore the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Verse number 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens and that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sight of men, whereby they, by the sight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight as humble as we know how. Father, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit tonight. Father, you know that I cannot do this without you. Father, I ask that you would hide me behind your cross once more. And God, that I might not receive any glory, but that God might receive all glory and praise tonight. Father, we're not here to please men, but we're here to please you. And God, I'm certainly not here to receive praises of men, but God, that we are here to offer our praises unto you, Father, for you are worthy of our praise. God, be with us tonight. Lord, speak to our hearts and help us to understand the Word of God. Father, we love you today. And God, speak through my mouth tonight that we might be understandable and be uh, heard from the people that are here tonight. And Father, that something may speak to their heart that they might grow closer to you. Father, we love you tonight. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So in verse number 7, we find tonight, it says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I'm going to break it down uh, uh, tonight for you, if, if I can, with the Lord being my helper, uh, because I, I've researched this and I've helped, or I've read some commentaries tonight, and y'all pray for me. Um, but Dr. Warren Wiersbe said, How does the believer discover and develop his gifts? By fellowshipping with other Christians in the local assembly. Gifts are not toys to play with. They are tools, they are tools to build with. And if they are not used in love, they become weapons to fight with. Which is what happened in the Corinthian church. Christians are not to live in isolation for after all, they are members of the same body. And so we see, and I, I've been teaching on, or, or preaching on, 
uh, the unity of the believers for the last several weeks on Sunday nights. But now, not only are we seeing the unity in the body of Christ, but we are seeing, uh, and last week I talked about the responsibilities that we had in the body of Christ. Miss Julie, I sound very loud. Am I real loud tonight, or is it just me? I feel like I'm very loud. Y'all are good? Okay. As long as y'all are good, that's fine. Um, I hear a, a reverb. Okay, that, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, but I, I've been talking about the responsibilities that we had in the body of Christ. And tonight, with the Lord being my helper, I want us to, to understand how to use our spiritual gifts. Our spiritual gifts are to edify one another. And we have to understand what our spiritual gifts are before we know how to use them. I mean, if, if and when I was a young kid, when my father took me onto a baseball field, I didn't know how to hold a baseball bat. I didn't know how to hold my hands right or, or how to swing the bat all the way through. And I didn't know how to make my eyes focus in on a, a, a baseball that, that looks like a, a pebble coming at you uh, uh, from the mound or, or from your dad pitching it to you. I didn't understand how to use a glove and how that glove correlated with when somebody throws the ball at you, you're not supposed to let it hit you, but you're supposed to catch it with your glove. And I didn't understand a lot of this as a child. And, and, and when I started playing the guitar, I didn't understand, and, and I still don't understand a lot of things about music, But and, and I never learned music theory or anything like that. I just learned a couple chords, and I just kind of took off from there. Uh, and, and I try to make a joyful noise. I, I know it ain't the prettiest and most perfect pitch and all that, but I do try to, to please the Lord in my the talent that He has given me. It's not the best talent, but I do try. Uh, and, and I understand that a lot of people, they want to sing on perfect pitch and perfect key and, and all that, and that's all well, fine, and good. And, and honestly, if God has given you the gift to do that, then I think you probably bring great honor and glory to God in, in that. Um, but what I'm saying is not every person is going to be perfect. Not every gift is going to be the same. It might be the same outwardly, but I know Miss Sue is a fantastic piano player. I can bang on the keys and I can chord some chords on that piano, but to make the song sing itself, I cannot do. And Miss Sue can. There's other pianists that, that can never sing a word out of their mouth, but listening to them play that piano, you don't need any music or you don't need anybody singing because they, are, they have such a talent to play that instrument. And I've heard guitar players who never had to speak a word but can make the guitar strings sing like a bird. What I'm saying is that if you can play a guitar, it doesn't have to sing the song for you. But all you have to do is that if you can play, play it for the Lord. You don't have to make the song bounce off of the piano keys to glorify God or to even build up the church. But what you have to do is just play and just worship and let the Holy Spirit guide you in that worship. Let everything that is done be done unto the glory of God. And what I understand from what Warren Wiersbe said is that these gifts are not toys to play with. And we think that they are. We think that we can just pick them up anytime we want to. And that we don't have to think or have a consciousness of how we are playing with them. But sometimes singing is out of order. 
Sometimes preaching is out of order. Sometimes uh, 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 playing instrumental is out of order. But what is never out of order, I believe, in my own personal life, is that prayer is never out of order. And I have met some of the greatest prayer warriors on earth in my life. There was a woman by the name of Sister Janie Bivens. Her her father was a preacher. Her husband, uh, I believe, became a preacher after he got saved and right with the Lord. But uh, she is in her uh, mid-80s now, I believe. Uh, But when I first accepted the call to preach, I went to her uh, because I knew that if you... And listen, she's the type that if you call her at 1 a.m., and you say, Sister Janie, I need prayer. Will you pray with me? She will drop on her knees, hanging on to the phone, and she will go before the throne room of heaven and pray on your behalf. And I went to her and I said, Sister Janie, if anybody can pray over my ministry, if anybody can get a prayer through to God, you can. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm scared to death to do it, but I said, if you'll just lay your hands on me. Oh, I feel the Lord. I said, if you'll just put your hands on me, and if you'll just pray over me, I believe the Lord will answer your prayer, Sister Janie. And by the, I mean, she was probably in her late 70s when I went and done that. It's been nine, nine and a half years ago. And a couple months after I announced my call to preach, I went into her little house. She, she only had like a one and a half, two, two uh, uh, bedroom house. Very small, very, very tight space. And I went in there and and she was in her her den, her her reading area. And I went in, and I, I didn't even sit down. I just went ahead and got on my knees, and I I laid my I put my hand on her knee, and I said, Sister Janie, would you please pray for me? And listen, you ain't ever heard the sweetest prayer in all your life when that little old woman, frail in body but mighty in spirit, started talking to her Savior, started talking to her daddy, because she really. Believes, and we all ought to have a relationship with the Father where we can call Him Daddy. Daddy, it's me again. I should say, Father, it's Sister Janie again. I need you to hear my prayer. I'm praying over this young man who's taking a step of faith to do your will. And I don't remember all the prayer that she prayed. But I remember just in a few moments that room felt like heaven. And listen, I've never experienced a time where prayer was out of order. And there is a gift to prayer. Not everybody knows how to pray right. Not everybody knows the correct way to pray. And the Bible teaches us there is a correct way to pray. Today I was asked by the Volt family uh, that if I would pray for them on their behalf, And I asked them when I sat down with them, I said, please be specific when you tell me how you want me to pray for you. And a lot of people will say, well, preacher, will you pray for me this week? Well, sure, I'll pray for you, but I have no idea how you want me to pray for you. And a lot of times the reason that is, is for one, to get me off their back. But for two, and I explained to the votes tonight, is that a lot of times... We as Christian people, we want to pray these generalized prayers uh, and think that God can somehow, uh, and I know He knows our mind and I know He knows our hearts, but when we pray a generalized prayer, we're not really being specific in our details. So really when God answers our prayer, 
we're disappointed because it wasn't met the way that we wanted it to be met. And I think a lot of times the reason we pray these generalized prayers for certain things is that because in one hand we want to try and fix it on our own, we want to try and do it all in our own strength, but at the same time say, God, I trust you. So while you're holding on to this situation in your life and you're praying and asking God to to move in, in that work, but you're not being very specific, you're still holding on to your willpower. And God does not answer those prayers. You must surrender it all to God. You must let go and let God, as people have said throughout time, and that's another phrase that's been used out of context, but you really have to just let go of the problem and let God have it and trust Him in the process. Prayer is a gift, and gifts are not toys to play with. Now, I'll get somewhere later on in 1 Corinthians 14. But I don't want to get there just yet. I'm, I'm, I'm still in verse number 7 tonight. Not only are gifts not toys to play with, but they are tools to build with. And then all through the Word of God we find, uh, especially in the book of Jude, I love the book of Jude. It's a very short book, uh, just uh, 24 verses, I believe it is, 25 verses. But anyway, uh, in verse 21, somewhere right along in there, uh, the Word of God says, Building up one another on your most holy faith. That is what our gifts are to do for one another. Miss Dixie has the gift, and listen, she I'm not trying to embarrass her tonight, and I'm not trying to uh, speak ill of her tonight. I think it is a great honor uh, to have Miss Dixie in our church. We need more Miss Dixies. And when, when Miss Dixie is no longer with us, there's somebody going to have to step up and fill her shoes. Miss Dixie is faithful in picking up her phone and dialing that number and saying, Hello, sister. I just want to check on you today. Is there any way that we can pray for you? Is there anything that we can go to the store and get you? Do I need to take you to the hospital? Do I need to go to the pharmacy and get you medicine for you? And Miss Dixie has been faithful in doing that, and I thank God for Miss Dixie. But... She might not think she's very important to Bluebell because all she does is pick up a phone. Miss Ken may get tired of her being on the phone so much, but thank God she's doing the work of God. She's being a blessing from Bluebell because what she does is that she's reaching out and she's doing the work that God has blessed her with and that is a gift. And what she's trying to do is she's trying to build up the church. She don't want me to talk about her tonight. I'll probably get fussed at it walking out the door tonight. Because the reason that I talk about Miss Dixie tonight is because my babysitter, who became like a third granny to me, was the same way. She would not take any any credit. She would be very quiet in church. She wouldn't make much noise. She wouldn't stand up and and shout and raise her hands, but, but she would sit there with her Bible in hand with her handkerchief in her hand, and as the Spirit got to moving, if the Lord got upon her, she would wipe a tear from her eye, and she might just mumble those lips just just enough for you to comprehend. Thank you, Lord. My third granny has went on to be, be in heaven. I've got two up there. I've got one living. My mother's mother is still alive. Thank God for her. But Hazel Cleek, you'll hear me talk about her a lot. She's made a huge impact in my life. 
Her favorite book was the book of Job. And you know anybody's book, if, if it's the, their favorite book is the book of Job, you know that they're right with God. You know that God is their very best friend. You know that God is dear to them. Because listen, I don't want to be a Job. But she was. She didn't have a lot of friends, but she was a friend to everybody. And what she would do is, behind the scenes, if somebody was sick, she goes to her kitchen, and she's fixing up a meal. Pot of beans, pot of greens, pan of cornbread, whatever it might be, whatever she, and listen, she'll ask you what, what she would ask what your favorite meal is. And whatever your favorite meal was, that's what she would do. She wouldn't receive any credit. She didn't get a gift card at church. Nobody gave her high honor or high praise. But I believe that she won many rewards in heaven because of her gifts. And she used her gift and her talents for the Lord. I didn't know I was getting all on this tonight. But listen, Miss Dixie has a vital part in the body of Christ. We need more people that are willing to pick up a phone and call and check. And I try my very best. I promise I do. But I forget sometimes. But when I don't forget, I know that Miss Dixie's already called and checked on them. And not long after she calls and checks on them, I get a phone call from Miss Dixie. And she'll say, just want to let you know that I've talked to this person today. And she'll tell me all about it. And I'll say, thank you, Miss Dixie. Every pastor needs a Dixie. I'm not, I'm not trying to give her any credit tonight. Please don't think I'm trying to lift her up because she don't want that. She don't want to be boasted and lifted up. She wants God to get all the glory, and I know that. But that's why she's so vital to our church. And we need more people who will go behind the scenes, not looking for any credit, but give glory to God. That is why God has given us gifts. He's not given us gifts to lift us up. He's not given us the, the voice to sing with to say, well, I'm the best singer. Or for people to come to me, and I, I heard a preacher say this one time that, that he would try and figure, and I've talked about this before, but he said when I would be asked to preach in camp meetings or conferences uh, in my denomination, I would try to have the very best outline that I possibly could have that I thought would impact the people the most. But he said, I soon realized that it wasn't about what I wanted to impact the people with, but what God would have me to say. Because what happens is that we try to form the best outline and we try to have the best sermon that will impact your lives the greatest. But that is not a, a because in the end, if I preach a great sermon, if I preach from a great outline, what that does is at the door, you're going to stand there and tell me how great of a sermon it was. You're going to sit, stand there and tell me how great of an outline or points that I had. And what it's going to do is it's going to recognize man rather than God. And I don't want any recognition tonight. I don't want any praise. I don't want you to boast about me. I want you to lift the Lord up tonight because what God has given me is just a gift. I'm not to use it for my own edification or my own lifting up, but I have to edify you that God might get glory out of me, uh, that His Son might be seen through me by the preaching of the cross, not by me. It's nothing about me. It's all about Him tonight. I'm not your pastor, but He is the pastor. And I cannot do the work of a pastor unless He gets in me, unless He works through me as the heart of a pastor. And believe me, before I ever accepted this church, I was praying because I knew that God was calling me to pastor. 
And I knew that God put on my heart to be a pastor. And I thought back to my pastor. He wasn't the greatest preacher. He didn't have the greatest outlines. Many times he wouldn't carry a note in his pocket. But what he would do, he had a little red Bible. He would tuck that under his left arm. Stood about five foot two. He was 86 when he passed away. But what he'd do is he'd walk into that church, not confident in himself, but confident in the Lord. And what the Lord had spoke to his heart, unless some preachers say, well, that type of preaching don't work anymore. Well, if it worked back then, it would work today. And I know that I try and write down notes, and I try and have notes. Honestly, my, my outlines are not that great. I might put down quotes and verses and, and things to give to you that go along with what God has put on my heart, but my, my notes are not that great, honestly. But what he would do is he would walk in to that church, and by the time I was born, he was already in his late 60s. But anyway, God saved him in 1954, and he started pastoring in 1955. Started at the same church. He pastored one church all of his life. And it was my church. He pastored there for 56 years. Over 30, I think over 27 preachers came out of his ministry. Hundreds of people got saved in his ministry. Why? Because he was obedient unto the call of God. It wasn't anything about Charles Ross. It wasn't anything to do about his preaching. He wasn't the greatest preacher on that mountain at that time. He wasn't the greatest uh, evangelist. But what he was, was probably the greatest soul winner. Because he loved people. He cared for their hearts. He cared that they were sinners and on their way to hell. And what he would do is he would take them by the arm and say brother, I love you no matter what but Jesus came to die and to rescue you from your sin if you will confess and believe on him. And that's what he would do. Whether he was at a restaurant, whether he was at church, whether he was and listen, uh, I there's a dear friend of mine who's a, a gospel singer now. His name's Anthony Disroon. He might be watching tonight. I don't know. But I remember him, his testimony very plain tonight. I can't remember. I believe it was in the 70s or 80s. But anyway, he, he used to be a bouncer. He's about six foot four, six foot five. And at the time, he was probably well over 350 pounds, but he was a bouncer at a bar. He would wear his if any of you know who Willie Nelson is, he would wear his hair in, in two braided pigtails. And his hair would be down to his waist. Great big old guy. And he said somebody invited him to Charles Ross's church. Brother Ross went by Cotton. So when you hear me talk about Brother Cotton, I'm talking about Charles Ross. But uh, anyway, somebody invited him to go to that church. And he said, I made it up in my mind. I was going to get run off. He said, I wore my Harley Davidson cut-off shirt. I wore overalls. I wore my hair special for the occasion. He said, I made the braids a little tighter. And he said, I, I had those braids down to my waist. And I went in, in there looking like a bouncer. I went in there looking like an evil man. And he said, Brother Ross preached on hell hot, heaven sweet, and the love of Christ. He said the Lord got so hold of him that he was shaking the pew, that his hands gripped the pew, but he never went to the altar. He said everybody had left the church and he thought he was the last one out. And Brother Ross, uh, and I don't do it, maybe I should, but 
uh, he would ask everybody to stand and call on somebody to dismiss him. Before he got done, Brother Ross was at the back door so he could shake every hand that went out. Well, Brother Anthony, he was the last one out the door. And he shook Brother Cotton's hand. And he said, I've never felt love the way that I felt love by this man. He said, I, th I went there to get ran off. And he said, Brother Cotton looked at me in my eyes. And he said, don't you want to pray tonight? <laughs> he said, great big old tears welled up in his eyes. Masculine of a man, monster of a man. But he said, the Holy Spirit in that moment gripped my heart. And I may not be telling it exactly right, but in the sense of the context tonight, he, he saw great tears in his eyes. He said, I looked at Brother Cotton in his eyes. And the door was already locked to the church. And he said, Brother Cotton, I believe you might ought to unlock that church door. Because he said, I don't believe that the Lord will save me out here on the front porch. I believe i got to go to the altar. See, back then, people believed in get, going to the altar. People believed getting right at the altar. And he said, that man, that five-foot-two man, led him straight to that altar. Humbled himself down. And this mass, massive of a man humbled himself down and got right with the Lord. Oh, listen, Brother Cotton wasn't the greatest preacher. He wasn't the greatest. But he served the greatest God. Amen. It wasn't about him. It was all about the Lord. Amen. Listen, I've told others this, but I feel like God has called me back to the old ways. Amen. Because what I'm seeing today is a false profession all across the world. It's all about the music. It's all about the preacher. It's all about the title of the sermon. It's all about whether or not that preacher is, is educated or not and if he has uh, three doctorate degrees from a seminary college and all this. And, and that's all fine and well and good, but what we need is the manifestation of the Spirit of God. You don't need me tonight. What you need is God. You don't need my fancy sermons. You don't need my fancy ideas or my fancy titles. What you need is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God because when He comes, He will judge the world with sin and righteousness. He will cleanse it. What we need is a move of the Holy Spirit of God. I ain't even on the sermon tonight. That's okay. That's okay. But that honky-tonk man, that honky-tonk playing man, that got saved at that altar back in the 1980s. Came one of my dad's good friends. Started singing in a bluegrass gospel group with my father. I, shortly after I was born, I started when I got old enough to play instruments, I, I started playing with them. But anyway, that man announced his call to preach. And if you heard his testimony after the day he got saved, he lost his wife. Lost his children, except for one. One was a drug addict and recently just got cleaned up. He still tries to have communication with his uh, daughters and, and things like that. And I think they have a pretty good relationship now. But after he got right with the Lord, he lost it all. 
what a, he has a fantastic testimony. He's a beautiful singer. Wrote one of the prettiest songs you'll ever hear, and it's probably not ever been recorded. But the song title is What Happened to Your Hands. And he tells the story about going over the bridge in Chattanooga, Tennessee, off into Georgia. Said he looked out over the Tennessee River. And said God floated the words right across the, right across the top of the water. What happened to your hands? And he said, from that moment, a song birth from that moment. But as he sings, he'll cry and he'll weep because he knows it's not about him. Because if he had his way, if he had got run off from that church, he would have busted the gates of hell wide open. But because of this man's gift of loving people, brought the gift of salvation to this sinner, brought the gift of God uh, into his life, calling him to be a singer, but also a preacher. And he, he can preach. I mean, he, 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 again, he's not the greatest preacher, but he can preach with the power of God and with the Spirit of God. And you know that he loves you and that he loves sinners. And I pray that one thing that you know about me is that I love sinners. I love talking to sinners. I love sharing the gospel with sinners because the only one that can do anything for them is not me. And it's not you. It's not the Sunday school teacher. It's not the singer. It's not the musicians. It's Jesus. And my gift is not to get up here and boast about how good I am or, or what great things I've done. I, I'm not up here talking about my, my doctorate degree or my master's degree or anything like that. But I'm up here trying to tell you that only Jesus can help you. Because Jesus loves you. We see that our gifts are to be used... Notice in verse 7 it says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Christ has given every man just a measure of faith to perform the gift of God. And that gift, based off the measure that He has given to us, is to bring glory and honor unto Him and to edify the church. The steps in salvation... Our justification, meaning that our sin was justified when Christ died. Sanctification is a process. It is a lifelong process. We will never uh, fully be sanctified on this side of heaven. But sanctification is a process. So we see justification, sanctification. Thirdly, we find that edification is a responsibility of the child of God. We are to build one another up on our most holy faith. James chapter 3, I believe it is, talks about the tongue and how the tongue is full of deadly poison, how it spreads like a wildfire. Listen, your tongue can do more damage in a split second than if you had to rear back and hit the person with a fist. We are to edify one another. That means that we are to lift one another up. We are to encourage one another. We are not to kick one another down. We are not to talk down about another person, but we are to lift one another up. 
because God has given us a measure of grace for the gift of Christ. Jameson Fawcett Brown, I'm I'm just going to close with verse 7. Y'all stuck with me the rest rest of the month, so... Jameson Fawcett Brown broke down this word in verse number 7. He said, But unto every one of us is given a grace to the measure of the gift of Christ. And notice the first word. And that first word is but. But. Meaning one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And Jameson Fawcett Brown said, Though one and our common connection with one Lord, one faith, etc., yet each one of us has been assigned to him his own particular gift to be used for the good of the whole, None is overlooked. None, therefore, can be dispensed with, can be dispensed with for the edifying of the church. All gifts that men receive are given by God's grace for the edifying of one another. The word edify means to instruct and improve, especially in moral and religious knowledge, or to uplift. So how do we do that? When we see a brother falling, when we see a brother stumbling, when we see a sister having some trouble, when we see one another struggling, let's go to them. Let's lock arms. Let's go to the cross together. Let's say we're going to get through it together. We're going to build each other up. The Holy Ghost is going to move and work and help us to improve in the work of God. We are to lock arms together, be united together to instruct one another on how to live right, help each other live right, help each other bear good fruit. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1-2. through 2. It says, Let a man so account of us, as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. That goes right back to verse number 1 of Ephesians 4. It says, I, therefore the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, What's he doing? He's instructing us. He's edifying us. He's edifying the church. He said, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. In order for us to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called, we must be found faithful.
preacher and I was talking, and I shared this with John before and Brother Robert before service. We we're talking about the parable of the ten talents and how Christ gave the ten talents to one and he went out and he doubled it. He brought in more to the Lord. He brought in, and that was a blessing unto his Lord. But the one that the master gave only one talent to, he went and hid it and he buried it. And he had nothing but that one to bring back to the Lord. And the Lord took that one talent from him because he wouldn't use it. And a lot of people think, well, if you'll just give me something to do, I'll be faithful. And that ain't how it works. You must be found faithful before God will give you a gift. I mean, honestly, where the, the vocation wherewith we are called, in order for us to, to, to receive these gifts and, and to bless the Lord with our talents, we must be found faithful. It don't work that it don't work the opposite way. God can't give you something if you're not going to be faithful in it. We got to show ourselves faithful unto God in order for Him to give that measure of grace to us. I feel like I rambled tonight, but I sure felt good doing it. I sure felt the Lord in doing it. I hope you did. I hope I was able to give you a blessing in some way. Miss Dixie, I sure didn't mean to embarrass you or to, to try to lift you up. I know that you serve the Lord Jesus Christ and I, look, I know that you'll give Him all the glory. And I wasn't trying to uh, not talk about anybody else, but tonight the Lord just put Dixie on my heart. I don't know why. Maybe next week I'll talk about somebody else. But I believe that God has blessed Miss Dixie because she's been faithful. She's been faithful to His call. And if you want to see God's blessing on you, you be faithful in what God's called you to do. If God's called you to be a Sunday school teacher, be faithful in doing that. If God's called you to be a deacon, be faithful in doing that. If God's called you to, to, to be a, a part of the women's ministry, be faithful in doing that. If God's help, called you to make pies, be faithful in doing that. God, God's called you to work with children. Be faithful in doing that. Because I promise that if you show yourself faithful unto Him, God will bless you for it.